You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You ever lost anything before? Have you ever lost anything before? Forgotten something? I did that on, when the, now I forget the day, on Sunday. I forgot my, I lost my glasses. And uh, I look, seriously looked for them all over the place and misplaced them. And I know I'm getting older. Honestly, the first place I checked was right here. And I did. I checked up there. We were going out the door to go somewhere, and I, I didn't have my glasses. I didn't even realize I didn't have my glasses, but I hadn't had them for a long time. And uh, Lincoln, he thinks he's funny. He said, Dad, I think an elf took them and hit, put them on the Christmas tree. And I looked at him and said, son, did you put my glasses in the Christmas tree? Because I thought that's what he was trying to tell me. And he almost, I mean, he about got it in the car, but he didn't. He was just saying that. I went in the house two times and looked for those things and couldn't find them. And then finally, after we went and came back, I found them. They're just right in the middle of the floor in the bathroom. I don't even know how that happened. But I lost them. It took me a while to realize it before I I lost my glasses. You ever forgotten something like that before? I think it was in October. It was Pumpkin Sunday. I was at home after church on Sunday night, just sitting there, and, and uh, I was the only one at home. And I thought, where is everybody at? And uh, all of a sudden, the door was unlocked, and people started coming up the stairs. And the first thing Lincoln said to me, he said, Dad, did you forget anything? I said, what? He said, me. And I forgot him. I left him at church. It happens. In 1988, the true story... There was a man who was a videographer, and he was videoing men parachuting out of an airplane, and you can watch that video even on YouTube, but all of a sudden, the video just goes crazy as the camera looks like it crashed to the ground, and you read the news report, and what happened is the man who was running the video camera was so caught up in taking care of his camera and making sure his equipment was right, he didn't even put on his parachute, and he jumped out of the plane, and it killed him because he was so caught up in the activity at hand and the affairs of his job that he forgot that which would preserve his life, and he died that day. I want to draw your attention to the end of Luke chapter 2. Take your Bible and turn there with me. The end of Luke chapter 2. Bear with me one more Christmassy kind of message, though it's not a Christmas message, but the Christmas chapter. But verse number 41 down through verse number 51, the end of the chapter, verse number 52 rather we'll read it together and I want you to see a story we don't know a lot about the boyhood of Jesus there's a lot of things that we have to guess at or surmise but this is an account that we can take without a doubt this event happened in the life of Christ as a young man and I want you to look at it with me here in Luke chapter 2 and we'll begin our reading in verse number 41 and make an application And probably you've heard this message before in one way or another, but I think it's a good message to end the year on. Look with me here in verse number 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey. And they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. 
And it came to pass that after three days they found him. Now think about it. It was a lot easier to lose him than it was to get him back. It didn't take very long to lose him, but it took him a while to find him. Same thing's true in my life and in yours. It doesn't take a whole lot to lose the touch of God, the hand of God, or the presence of God in your life. It's a lot harder to get it back, amen, than it is to lose it. They look and they search for Jesus. I don't know if it means that they spent a day journeying back and one day looking or if they literally spent three days looking for the Lord in the city of Jerusalem. But nonetheless, they searched for him for some time. They find him, and the Bible says, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father, and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, this is the first recorded statement of Christ in the New Testament after the incarnation. How is it that you sought me? Wished you not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Tonight as we exit 2022 and as we begin our entrance into 2023, it's a very simple thought, but I think it's a good thought. I preached on the first Sunday, I believe, of 2022. And I remember what I preached on. What if God gave us one more year? About that man who dug around the tree and he fertilized the tree. And he said, I'm going to give it one more opportunity to bear fruit. But if not, I'll cut it down. Now we're at the end of the thing. And we can look back and see what we accomplished for God and how we grew in grace if we did. But to go into the new year, I want to preach on this thought. Have you lost Jesus somewhere along the way? Have you lost the Lord somewhere along the way? I don't mean lost your salvation, but I mean lost the sweetness of your walk with Him. You can start over again, thank God, in the new year. Let's pray. God, I pray for your help, liberty too to preach. I pray for power. And as we close out this year with our church family on this prayer meeting night, I pray that you would very noticeably meet with us. God, I pray for liberty, I pray for energy, and I pray for our church family that you'd give us just a, a little while to focus in on heavenly things tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever sung this along with the congregation? I've never lost the wonder of it all. Oh, I've never lost the wonder of it all. But in your heart as you sang it, you honestly thought, is anybody who's singing that actually telling the truth? What I'm saying is, it, is it possible that there is actually someone out there who has never really, I'm talking about not even for a moment, lost some of the wonder in their walk with the Lord? Have you ever had seasons in your life where the wonder of it all was not as wonderful as it had been at other times? You say, well, I'd never admit that. That's okay. You can play super spiritual if you want to. But here's what David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He's saying there's something that I lost along the way that I'd kind of like to get back. You might not have had a noticeable moment when it happened. There might not have been an undeniable time when it took place. But maybe somewhere along the way of life, you lost what you used to have with the Lord. 
Now, I'm not saying you lost your salvation. That's as impossible as water not being wet. You can't lose your salvation. But maybe you lost the wonder of your salvation somewhere along the way. Throughout the years that God's allowed me to be in the ministry, I've had the opportunity to visit with seasoned saints and shut-in people in their homes. And I can picture it in my mind as I've met with those people and Sometimes that individual might have been a preacher at one point, but now because of age or illness, he's no longer a preacher. Or I've sat with someone who used to be a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a bus worker, but because of illness or age, now they're just a hit and miss church member at best, and if the weather's not good or they're not feeling well, they can't make it to the house of God. And you go visit with those people as they sit there in the recliner or maybe they rock on their front porch and you see them there. They can't serve like they used to serve or go like they used to go or do what they used to do. But as you sit there, you'll find a smile on their face and some joy in their tone and you'll see them there with some victory in their soul. And nearby there's an open Bible or a prayer list or there's a testimony on their lips to how good God has been. A lot of what you and I I can do has been stripped away from them but somewhere along the way they understood Jesus is enough if I don't have anything else as long as I have the Lord I have everything I need and they've never lost the wonder of just walking with their Savior you ever notice that? They can't preach like we might preach and they can't sing like you might sing and they can't serve like we serve but they have Jesus and having Jesus is enough to them I think about the heart of the hymn writers, not the hymn itself, but the heart behind the hymn. Of those who penned lines like this, he is fairer than lilies of rarest bloom. He is sweeter than honey out of the comb. Or what about a hymn writer who could say, I found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. What about a person who could have such a love for Christ that can say, Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name. I've got to tell you tonight, I wonder at their wonder of the Lord. It's very obvious that when they penned those hymns that they must have been standing on the pinnacle of devotion and the pinnacle of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't write things like that. You don't recite words like that unless your heart is hot for God and your walk with God is very real and very intimate and very sweet. I think about the song, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the joy that we share as we tear it. It says no other has ever known anything like that. I think about the song, Jesus is all the world to me. There's a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. Jesus, there's no name like it. You must be walking with God to say things like that. I think about the Apostle Paul who said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. There was a man named James Rowe who wrote a hymn in the late 1890s and the first line says, wonderful Jesus, marvelous King, ever is praise my spirit shall sing. There's no doubt about it tonight, Jesus is wonderful. And by that I mean Jesus is full of things that we ought to wonder at. But there's definitely no doubt on the same note that there are seasons, if we're not careful, we have to watch it unless we lose our wonder of the Lord. I wonder if there's been times, even when those songwriters felt like the rest of us, and they lost the wonder of it all. 
I wonder if even the words that they pen seem to be distant and far away. I know what happened to Robert Robinson who wrote the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, but he backslid and got away from the Lord. And tonight as we end the year, here's what I want. I want to inventory our lives, you and I. And I want to ask us this evening, and I want the Holy Spirit to, to have right away. I want us to be honest with him as he investigates and uncovers if there be any problem in our heart. I want to ask you the question, have you lost the Lord somewhere along the way this year. I'm not saying you've lost your salvation. I'm not saying that you've even lost your place of service. I'm not saying that you've fallen out and you're not faithful to the routine of coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But I wonder somewhere along the way, before you exit the old and enter the new, if you'll realize maybe I've lost the Lord in the downs and ups of this year, the victories and defeats, the mountains and the valleys. Have you lost the Lord somewhere along the way? Here in Luke chapter 2, the chapter brings us to what I would say is the most magnificent event and maybe the most humble location. You read the story, and here we find the birthday of a king, but there's no mention of a palace and no mention of a throne. God's at work in the hills of Judea. The chapter opens with the account of a decree that forces a young lady who's great with child to endure a journey on the back of a donkey to the town of Bethlehem. People from all across the Roman province are forced to go to the city of their ancestors by the decree of Caesar Augustus so they can be registered. Bethlehem is normally a very small town, a very quiet town, but now it's crowded and overrun with people. The streets are packed. The houses are full. The inn can hold no more. But outside of the noise and far beyond the busyness of the city, behind the inn in Bethlehem, Tucked away in a cave reserved for beasts of burden is Mary and Joseph. And she's about to give birth to a son. The cave that's been turned into a stable would be strangely lit by a star that was directly above it. The scene would be far from the modern nativity scene that we have in our home. It would be damp hay and filth and cobwebs and animals. There'd be no nurse there to assist the mother. There'd be no doctor to deliver the child. There'd be no bed to lie on or stove to keep her warm. It wouldn't make for much of a Christmas card, but I say it's probably one of the most beautiful scenes that this world has ever witnessed. I don't doubt that cows looked on and goats were there and sheep maybe bawled in the background as Joseph anxiously leaned over uh, Mary, his espoused wife, and maybe he would wipe the sweat from her brow and held her trembling hand. And then suddenly, in the silence of that night, the silence was interrupted by the cry of a baby who was born to be the very king of glory. I think about the hymn, Mild he lays his glory by born, that man no more may die. And can you imagine when that cry sounded out. That cry announced to a leper in the future, your cleansing is coming. It announced to a blind man in the future, your sight is on the way. It announced to a deaf man down the road, one day you'll be able to hear with those deaf ears. It announced to a Samaritan woman, one day you'll get a drink of living water. It said the announcement to a thief, one day you'll punch a ticket to paradise and an announcement to all of you and I, tonight that would be born, that we can be saved by the grace of God. Thank Thank God for that birth in Bethlehem. I thought about it. At Jesus' birth, he was born in a cave hewn from the rock. At his death, he was buried in a tomb hewn from the rock. In his birth, he was born in a night that was strangely bright. In his death, he died in a day that was strangely dark. At his birth, he took refuge in a manger. At his death, he was rejected by his own brethren. At his birth, the angels sang to announce it. At his death, his enemies scorned 
to celebrate it. At his birth, wise men gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. At his death, the Roman soldiers gave him iron in the form of three rugged nails. At his birth, the shepherds came and gave him glory. At his death, sinners came and gave him a crown of thorns. Oh, friend, never forget, he was born to die upon Calvary. Christmas is forever tied to Calvary, and Calvary is forever tied to Christmas. And thank God that baby in a manger is more than just a cute child laying in the hay. That's the Redeemer, the Reconciler, the one who brought us back to God. Thank God for Jesus' birth. Here in Luke 2, it's a chapter of several things, and I'll give it to you by way of introduction. It's a chapter of promise. 48 specific prophecies of the birth of the Messiah are fulfilled in Luke chapter 2. From Genesis chapter 3 and on, that promise of a conquering seed was given to us in type and shadow. You could see it in every sacrifice and find it in every ritual. You could see it in the Jewish worship. 700 years before Luke chapter 2, Micah proclaimed that there'd be a ruler born in the city of Bethlehem. It's amazing. The promise of God never fails. God planned it and purposed it. And every piece to God's divine puzzle fell right into place, promise fulfilled. Not only that, it's a chapter of providence. Can you imagine all the things that had to work out just right for this to take place? Mary and Joseph didn't even live in Bethlehem, so what did God have to do? He had to use the heart of a pagan king to make them go there. Isn't that amazing? Of all the, 100, the, the thousands of no-name, nowhere towns in Judea, God chose out Bethlehem, the house of bread. Isn't it amazing that of all the women in the world, God chose a poor little girl named Mary that nobody knew? Providence. God chose a carpenter named Joseph. That's providence. Isn't it an amazing thing that Caesar's in Rome and Mary's in Nazareth? Micah talked about Bethlehem and God brought it all together. You know what that reminds us of? God was in control, God is in control, and God's going to be in control in the new year. It's a chapter of promise, a chapter of providence. What about this? It's a chapter of praise. You read Luke chapter 2. You know what you find in Luke chapter 2? A whole bunch of nobodies praising God because he came to them. Isn't it amazing how when the angels came and announced his birth, they didn't go to the priests. They didn't go to the men with money. They didn't go to those with a name. They went out to the hillsides and caught a bunch of shepherds and said, hey, listen, the Messiah has been born. The king has come. And they get to praising the Lord. You think about it. Heaven, the heaven of heavens praise the Lord whenever the stars shone above him. You think about it a little bit. The angels, the highest heaven praise the Lord. And then all of earth praise the Lord. Those shepherds begin to praise his name. A bunch of nobodies that got the news that somebody had been born in Bethlehem. You and I can praise God tonight because, listen, that's exactly what we are as well. I don't want to bust our bubble, but we're a bunch of nobodies. Amen. If it wasn't for the Lord tonight, there wouldn't be anything worth bragging about us. It's all about the Lord tonight. But you can praise him. Anna praised him. Simeon praised him. Mary praised him. No mention of prophet, priest, or king except for the king of kings in that bed of hay. You see heaven in human form there and they worshiped him. Next it's a chapter of peace. The angel said, don't worry, fear not. Isn't that amazing? Peace for the conscience, peace for the heart, peace for the troubled soul. Now to look at this chapter, and we'll get into the point of the message. You can break it down. Verse 1 through 20, Christ is born. That's Christmas. Verse 21 through 40, Christ is consecrated. But then our text, verse 41 through 52, Christ is lost. When you come to the closing chapters of verses of this chapter, the Holy Spirit allows the physician's heart of Luke, I believe, to come forth onto the page. Because Luke is the only one who records this instance of Christ as a growing young man. 
Don't forget that, that Jesus has been tempted and has suffered just as you and I have been tempted and suffered. But the thing about that is it makes him a sympathetic high priest. I'm glad Jesus knows all about it. In our text now, Jesus is 12 years old. He's joining Mary and Joseph as they go to Jerusalem. In verse 41, the Bible gives us the occasion for their journey. Look at what it says. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Passover is one of three Jewish feasts that the Jewish men of that day were expected to observe at the temple. They would go there every year for Passover, and then that would be conjoined with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They would go there for seven days in that Feast of Unleavened Bread following Passover and spend it together in Jerusalem. Christ is 12 years old. He's one year from being a son of commandment or having a Jewish bar mitzvah. And I don't doubt his parents, maybe they took him every year. But I would say they took him this year to observe the festivities and to see the activities there in the temple. For seven days, these Jewish individuals would remember the goodness of God. They'd enjoy time with their family. They would feast together. The adults would fellowship. The children would play. It'd be very busy and very active. It's a time of worship and a time of celebration. The city is filled with clamor and people and the temple is buzzing with activity. All the courts of the temple are filled with sacrifice and incense and conversation and theologians debating spiritual truths. Now the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about the boyhood of Christ but as I prayed and studied about this I I thought I don't know but maybe Jesus didn't do what all the other children did during those days. Maybe he separated himself out from the rest of the crowd of young people and he walked around the city of Jerusalem. Can you imagine him 12 years old walking that city and there he stood and he saw the temple and he thought one of these days the veil of that temple will be torn in sunder. Maybe he walked that city and he went by Gethsemane's garden and he thought about that refuge he'd seek as a place of prayer to talk to the heavenly father. I don't know. Maybe he walked by what would be Pilate's hall and he thought about the day he'd be presented there and scourged by Roman soldiers. Then maybe he walked outside the gate and he saw that craggy hill called Calvary and he looked up his face and thought I'm going to do the will the father and he saw the joy that was set before him everyone else was thinking about Passover past and maybe Jesus pondered Passover to come I don't know I know after seven days here's what's happened Mary and Joseph packed their things now if they're like the rest of us Joseph had a duffel bag and Mary had a truckload of suitcases Billy Kelly Billy Kelly the old camp meeting preacher was with his wife and he and his wife were on vacation and they were robbed and they took everything they had and he looked at his wife and said honey I'm sorry they took everything that we have and she opened her mouth and from under her tongue pulled out her engagement ring she goes they can get everything they can get my ring he said man would to God your mama was here we could have saved our luggage too (laughs) some of you are thinking about somebody you know personally right now Now, customarily, the women would travel in the front of the group as these people would travel, and the men would fall in the back. The children, as is customarily still today, would not stay anywhere very long and weave in and out of everything. The children would go from person to person, place to place, and play as they would travel and burn off their excess energy. For a day, Mary and Joseph walk, and they don't realize they've left their son. 
They were miles away from Jerusalem and the crowd began to settle down for the night and they began to look for Jesus. Now think, they'd had breakfast without the Lord. They'd had lunch without the Lord. They'd had supper without the Lord. Now I don't know what happened, but whatever it was, they began to go throughout the crowd. Maybe Joseph thought Jesus is with Mary. Maybe Mary thought Jesus must be with Joseph. Maybe they assumed Jesus is playing with his cousin. So they didn't really worry about it too much. But then they thought, well, we better round him up. And so Joseph began to inquire. He went to Mary and said, hey, where's Jesus? He said, I thought he was with you. Now you know you're in trouble when that happens. And, she, and Joseph said, I thought he was with you. And then began to ask, have you seen Jesus? No, I hadn't seen him. Have you seen Jesus? I think he was here a minute ago. And they begin to understand Jesus has not been on the journey. Can you imagine how frantic they must have become as parents, in essence, to this young man, Jesus. Now you think of how you'd feel if you lost your child. Now there might be one if you have more than one that you wouldn't mind. But if, I mean, your, your, your son, think about you lost your child. You don't know where he is. It'd have to be a shocking thing. Imagine it. An angel had told Mary, you're going to have this son, and now she's lost him. The Holy Ghost had overshadowed her and conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary, and now she lost him. John the Baptist had leapt for joy when he heard of Jesus in the womb of his own mother, and she lost him. Angels had sung happy birthday at the stable. She lost him. Shepherds came to worship him. She lost him. Wise men came later as a young boy and gave him gifts. She lost him. They'd shown him so much care. I don't think they were bad parents. I think they'd shown him a lot of attention. But for some reason on this journey, they overlooked him. Supposed he was with them, and they lost him. In verse 45, it says that they turned back. When they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem. And here's what they did. They began to seek him. Now, I would say that changed everything. I think that probably changed what used to be praise and joy in a time of fellowship with friends and family into something that was very upsetting. A lot changes when you realize the Lord isn't with you. They go back to Jerusalem and begin to search for the Lord. Now, I don't know if they traveled back a day and searched today or if it means that for three days they were there in the city. They searched for Jesus everywhere you would think to find a young person. They looked for him where all the other kids would be. They looked for him where everybody else was gathered. They couldn't find the Lord. Everywhere they looked, they couldn't find him. Then finally, the Bible says in verse 46, they found Jesus in the temple sitting there with the doctors of the law. He's living listening to them, then asking them questions and astounding them with his understanding. For several days, he's been gathered there in the midst of those theologians hearing and teaching the word of God. Now consider it. Mary and Joseph, they'd fellowshiped without Jesus there. They'd had conversations without Jesus there. They'd eaten meals without Jesus there. They'd slept without Jesus there. They'd prayed without Jesus there. They'd journeyed and walked and made decisions without Jesus. Jesus being there. I'll say it again. They weren't bad parents, but they lost the Lord somewhere along the way. Now let me apply it and we'll be through. I wish it wasn't so, but it is. If we're not watchful, we can lose the wonder of our relationship with the Lord. You remember when you got saved? Wasn't that pretty wonderful? Wonder of wonders. How can it be that God became flesh and he died just for me? But is it not true that the fire that burns within us can get cold? 
and the light that we're called to shine can get dim. And the first love that used to constrain us, if we're not careful, we can leave it behind. Jesus is always the sweetest name, but is it the sweetest name to you? He's always fairer than 10,000, but tonight is he fairer than 10,000 to you and I. Jesus is always wonderful, but tonight is he as wonderful to you as he once was. I want to ask the question, have you lost the Lord somewhere along the way? Somewhere along the way. We don't lose our phones, and we won't misplace our paycheck, but have you lost the Lord? Proverbs 14, 14 tells me the backslider in heart should be filled with his own ways. Let me give you this and I'll close. Consider when they lost the Lord. Number one, they lost him in religious service. You know when they lost the Lord? While they were observing religious ritual. In the midst of religion, they lost him. While they were singing, keep on the firing line. While they were teaching the Bible to a Sunday school class. While they worked their bus route. While they sang in the choir. While they sat in a pew. While they put on a necktie at 8 a.m. in a Sunday dress in the morning and came to church with their family. They lost him in the heat of religious service. You know what's a scary thing? It is easy to look Christian, talk Christian, act Christian, and not really have any kind of walk with God. Amen. Number two, they lost him in a rejoicing season. This season in the life of those Jewish people was a time of celebration that God had delivered them. Remember, Dr. Hiles used to preach a message on it's backsliding time. And he preached it about, well, whenever a new baby's born in your family, watch it, it's backsliding time. Whenever you get a raise at work, watch it, it's backsliding time. Whenever, uh, whenever uh, money rolls into your life from a relative, watch out, it's backsliding time. Whenever you have a great revival meeting at your church, watch it because right after that, it is backsliding time. The easiest time to get right with God is when everything's going wrong. The hardest time to stay right with God is when everything's going right. Because if we're not careful, what we do is we get so satisfied and excited about the blessing that we forget the one that sent the blessing into our life. You better be careful. In this day of prosperity, there's not a person in here that doesn't have what they need and then some. We better be careful that we don't neglect the Lord who's the giver of every gift that rolls into our life. Amen. As we just got out of this Christmas season, I promise you this. Every bit of money I spent, I got that back tenfold from people, I mean my family, whatever. I don't like for anything. But we got to be careful that we don't get so caught up in what we have, we forget that all of it comes from Him. Our rejoicing season, religious service, then what about this? Routine situations. They lost Him in routine. They lost Him in just... That's what we always do. We always go to Jerusalem every year. We always travel with the same family. We always walk with the same crowd. We do it over and over and over again. I want you to hear this statement. Something that is not sinful, that comes between my soul and my Savior, becomes sin. Your job is not sin until you let it get between you and Jesus. Amen. Your children, that is not sin until you exalt that over the Lord. Amen. Service is not sin until you put it where Jesus belongs. So where did they find him? Let me close. Where did they find him? They went back to Jerusalem. Here's where they found him. Number one, they found Jesus in the house of God. I tell you what won't make for a good new year, falling out of church. I promise you that. I'll tell you what will help you in the New Year's, anchoring into church. 
They looked for Jesus everywhere. Finally, their last resort was the house of God. Isn't that how people act often? The last place they look for the Lord is where he's at. <laughs> they found him in the house of God. Anchor your family in the house of God. Not so much the less, but so much the more. Number two, they found him around the word of God. Where was he? He was expounding the Old Testament. You want to find the Lord? You say, I felt like I lost him somewhere along the way. You're going to have to fall back in love with your Bible. I'm talking about read your Bible. Fall in love with the scripture. I promise you, if you'll read your Bible, when you come to church, your heart will burn as soon as the preaching starts. Because you've already been in that book before that book was opened from the pulpit. Then they found him. Not just there, they found him in the will of God. Jesus was about his father's business. You say, I've lost the Lord. Well, then get back doing what Jesus would do. Well, I've lost the Lord. Yeah, but you don't even come to faithfulness rally. Come on now. I've lost the Lord. Yeah, but you quit your bus route. I lost the Lord. Yeah, but you're not coming to men's prayer meeting. I lost the Lord. Yeah, but you're not tithing and giving to missions. Now, you think about where he was. The house of God around the word of God and the will of God. All of those things were close to the altar of God. If you've lost the Lord, I'll tell you where you can find him. At an altar. It's the last invitation of an old year. We don't have a watch night service to pray in a new year, but we can pray in a new year on this Wednesday night at an altar. I want to ask you, have you lost the Lord somewhere along the way? Maybe it's not what it once was or what it could be or what you'd like it to be. Why don't you come and recommit? Be resolute in the thing. I'm going to start this thing over and get it back. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.